Well, we're going to have our scripture reading now, and that's going to be from Romans and chapter 8. For the past few months on Sunday mornings, we've been going through Romans, and we've spent quite a lot of time in Romans chapter 8. And we've seen that Romans chapter 8 defines for us what a spiritual person is, what a spiritual person is like, uh, what they do, and so on. And uh, it's been a great little study going through Romans 8. And this morning we reach some, perhaps, of the most difficult verses in Romans chapter 8. But let me read to you from Romans 8 and verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it. Patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know. That in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those God predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified... He also glorified. Well, this is the reading of God's true and trustworthy word. And it's those last two verses, verses 29 and 30, that we're going to be studying and looking at after we've sung our next song. Let's turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 8, the passage of Scripture that we just read before that beautiful song. Romans chapter 8. I wonder, let's ask a a simple question that might actually be quite a difficult question to answer. Uh, What's your life goal? You don't need to shout out. What what is your goal in life? What, What are you aiming for? Where do you want your career to peak? What are you planning for in life? We could ask exactly the same about God. God What's your plan? What's your ultimate purpose? God, what are you doing right now to reach that ultimate purpose that you have? God, what are you up to? 
And the answer will come back strong and loud in the verses we're looking at this morning, Romans 8, 29 to 30, which are best in our Bibles, but also on our screen as well. Romans 8, 29. For those that God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Now, just reading those verses and coming up with some of those words, you'll realize that there's quite a lot of heavy words in those verses. And some people, even some Christians, will take verses like this and kind of use it as an, an ammunition box to shoot down other Christians and their, their views on these things. Let's not use it as an ammunition box to shoot people. Let's use this as a kind of bread box to feed the hungry. Let's use it as something which will nourish our souls this morning. Yep, there are difficult words there, which I will try and explain as we go through. But I want to start with this point. The point of God's ultimate goal. We've asked, what's your ultimate goal? We ask now what God's ultimate goal is, and it's here. It's right there in verse 29, to conform us to the image of his Son. And that's repeated in the very last words of verse 30, he also glorified. So to glorify someone is to make them like Jesus Christ. And to be made like Jesus Christ is to be glorified. You can't get anything better or anything greater than being like Jesus Christ. And that's God's purpose. It's a purpose that he had before the dawn of time. It's a purpose which he has every day now. And it's a purpose that will be fulfilled throughout eternity. For what you've got here to be conformed to the image of God's Son, to be glorified, is something that will take place the moment Jesus Christ returns. Now we are the children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So when Jesus returns we will be completely made like him. That's the day I'll be glorified. So let's be encouraged by this verse as we begin to dig into it. It's a verse that really encourages the follower of Jesus Christ. This believer in Jesus is your ultimate destiny. You will one day be made totally like Jesus. Now, it's our desire, it's our very heartbeat that we want to be like Jesus. That's what we want in life. One day, we will totally be like Christ on that day of our glorification. But, do you know, so that's first point. God's ultimate purpose is to make us like Jesus. Second point is this, that we don't actually have to wait for that final day to be made like Jesus. God is work now in our lives to will and to do according to his good purpose. He started a good work in us, and he will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. So that work that God has started in us now 
is to begin to transform us to be like Jesus before he totally conforms us to be like Jesus. You know, the day that you became a Christian, God began a good work in you. It's probably one of the greatest days of your life when you decided to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We call it someone's conversion experience. And it is powerful and it's overwhelming when our life is redirected from ourselves to Christ. We're converted from self-love to love for Jesus. And that's what it is to become a Christian. And person becomes a Christian by repenting of their self-love and their past and turning to Jesus for their future. It's conversion. That happens once. It never needs to be repeated. It's an overwhelming, life-redirecting experience that happens once. But as soon as that happens, something else begins to take place in our lives. And that's a process, not a one-off conversion, but what we call sanctification, being made like Jesus. And that's a lifelong process. So that once I trust in Jesus, God then day by day by day by day throughout the rest of my life has this process of transforming me to be like Jesus Christ. See, conversion sets in motion the amazing process of being like Jesus. The very moment of my becoming a Christian is the very moment that God begins his work in me to transform me. That's why conversion is such a glorious thing. Because as soon as someone trusts Jesus, you know that God is at work to make them like Jesus. And that's just such a marvelous thing. So the Apostle Paul counted his ministry as one in which he labored like in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in a person. So even now, before God's ultimate purpose is reached of total confirmation to Jesus, before that, even now, there's the process of our transformation to becoming like Jesus. It's imperfect now, as we all know, but it will be perfect on that last day. So, God is at work in your life if you trust Jesus. And God is at work powerfully in your life. You see, life without Jesus formed me in one particular way, like you. Life without Jesus forms you in one particular way. There are certainly certain influences on your life that form you to be a particular kind of way. My parents, my culture, my education, my friends, the books I've read, the films I've seen, the music I've listened to, the experiences I've had for good or for bad, they have all had an influence on me becoming who I am. But sometimes, well actually, all the time without Christ, we find that all that, those influences are squeezing us into the world's mold. It's forming us to be unlike Christ. So when you become a Christian and God works in you, he begins to reform you. He brings different influences to your life. He brings different books, different music, different experiences, and different people. And he uses all these things in a new way to transform you day by day to be like Jesus. 
And you can test yourself on this. Something happens to you, and maybe that's not a particular nice thing that someone does to you or says to you or something you go through, and it's really not nice at all. And Before you were a Christian, you would have reacted in a certain way to that, and there would maybe an explosion. But now that you're a Christian, that same thing could happen to you. That same person could hurt you. That same experience could really upset you. But now that God is working in your life, you respond to that in a totally different way. Other people who are around you are amazed. And you yourself are amazed as well. Because you say, you know, six months ago or ten years ago, well, I would have caught that person. But now you say, hands in my pockets. So, so God is at work in our lives. And God is at work to transform us day by day into the image of Jesus so that one day God's ultimate purpose of total conformity to Jesus will be reached. Now, our verses tell us of this plan of God. We read in verse 29, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Let's take two of those words. The first word of verse 29, for, that immediately points back to what's gone before. So you say something, so you say, therefore, this happens. So the for, at the beginning of verse 29, <clears throat> points us back to verse 28, which before Easter we were looking at, and we saw verse 28 says that God is at work in all things for the good of those who love him. What is the good? The good is our transformation to be like Jesus. That's a really good thing. And God is at work to make us like Jesus. It's the highest good that there will ever be. Verse 29 follows on from that then and says this is how it happens. The good happens because God has predestined us for that. To be predestined is to have something decided before it happens. To set your destination before you get there. And to plan a route to get to that destination. Let me show you something that might sort of bring back memories to many people. A road atlas. Okay. This was an essential thing in a car. Before sat-navs, Google Maps, or whatever other kind of thing that you might use to get to your destination. Um, I still use this in my car, much to the amusement of my wife and children. I, I, just, I just love to see where I am in life. Anyway, okay. I just love road out. Anyway, if I want to go somewhere, set my destination, okay, I'd look on the road map and I'd think, oh, that's where I want to go. I want to go to Tottenham. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I'll start from Bournemouth. And I go to Tottenham to watch the Bournemouth beat Tottenham 3-2 yesterday. There was actually, I think, a better round yesterday as to how quickly I could mention that in a sermon. But there we go. So, okay, so I'm starting from my start point, Bournemouth. I'm looking to my destination, Tottenham. And I'm thinking, in the past, this is, of course, yesterday, but in the past before that as well, they're thinking, how am I going to get there? So... In the past, you would have looked at road numbers, and you would have put them on the list. You would have looked at junctions, and you'd put it on the list. 
You'd look at towns or villages that you'd pass through because uh, motorways weren't invented in those days, were they? So you'd look at all these different things and you'd look also at stops along the way. And, and you'd make this kind of route list, this tick list of how you would get from where you are to where you need to be and the road along the way. Your destination is set, so you're predestined to go along the way. You set the route to reach the destination. That's simply what predestination is. It does mean much more than that, but it does mean at least that. God has set your destination to be totally conformed to Jesus Christ. He starts from the day you become a Christian. And the route along the way is mapped, it's marked, it's predestined to get to that destination. The route is this, verse 30. Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Those are the actions that God takes along the route to the final destination of being like Jesus. He calls us to follow Jesus. He justifies us by declaring us righteous in Jesus. And he glorifies us into bringing us to total conformity to Jesus Christ. That's what God does. Now, there's so much more in that which we would love to unpack. But because Dave took 60 minutes for the dat slot, I've got five minutes left for this. What is being like Jesus? What does it actually mean? So if we are to be conformed to Christ totally and transformed now, what does it mean? What does that actually look like in everyday living? Well, turn your eyes upon Jesus and see what he was like. He was totally loving. He loved God with a tremendous passion. So those then that are being changed to be like Jesus will also love God. And love is a really powerful passion. It's a longing to be near the one that you love. It's a determination to please the one you love. Love has about it this real energy, this real force, a good force to make you want to do good and to be with the one you love. And Jesus had that burning love for God. And you'll find that someone that's being transformed into the likeness of Jesus begins, and it's an ever-growing, increasing fire within their hearts that they want to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's a powerful thing. To be like Jesus is to love God. What's more, Jesus had a real love and a deep concern for people. He loved people. All that he did, he did for others. And all that he said, he said for the advantage of others. He just really wanted to help others. So you look at his miracles. They are all to help other people. He looked to the interests of others and not just to his own interests. Jesus was all about loving people. And someone that's being transformed to be like Jesus will be the same. There will be this growing love for people, all kinds of people. There'll be a desire to do people good, a keenness to think about the interests of others, a revulsion at the thought of hurting another person, and a holy resolution to do people good. 
person who's being made like Jesus will have a big heart, not just for God, but for people. So Jesus loved God, Jesus loved people. Let me give you just a third final characteristic of Jesus. Jesus was lowly and humble. And the person that's seeking to be like Jesus will also seek lowliness and humility. Jesus actually once described himself in this way, I am lowly and humble in heart. And that's seen in Jesus' complete dependence upon his Father. He says that I can only do what the Father gives me to do. And it's seen in Jesus' utter refusal to boast and be proud about his miracles. You, you never get that from Jesus. There's a miracle that takes place. Somebody has helped. And you don't get Jesus saying, Ah, oh, just look what I did. No, you say, look at the person that's been helped. God is glorified through that. There's a humility about the Lord Jesus Christ. And God is working that in us day by day, hour by hour, this lowliness and this humility. Do you know, you're not as good as you think you are. <laughs> yeah, you're not as strong as you think you are. You're not as clever as you think you are. Your opinion is sometimes wrong. And we become like Jesus Christ by acknowledging that. By acknowledging that we're not as good as we think we are. We're not as strong as we think we are. We're not as clever as we think we are. And we are very often wrong. And as we acknowledge that, it produces humility within us. Because we can't be proud about that. But it just shows that we acknowledge Jesus that we acknowledge our need of Jesus' help to do the things that we ought to do. Those who are being made like Jesus will tremble in case they claim any glory for themselves and say, look, I did that. No, Jesus did that through me. So having a love for God and his people, having a humility of mind and character is beautiful. It's a beautiful mind and a beautiful life, and you'll be a beautiful person. And that's the good that God is aiming at in verse 28. In all things, God works for the good to make you and me a beautiful person with a beautiful mind and a beautiful life. And that's being like Jesus. And he works that in us for the good of others, for the good of ourselves, and the glory of God. Well, that's what these verses are telling us. It's telling us much more than this, but it's telling us at least what we've said here, that the destination is planned, total conformity to Christ. The route is predestined along the way, called, justified, and glorified. That's the route God is taking. Christ-likeness is love and humility. And that all happens... Because of the one word we haven't looked at yet, the word foreknew. All this happens because God foreknew those that he predestined. What is this foreknowledge? For that foreknowledge at the beginning of verse 29 sets in motion the rest of those verses. What is it? Well, this foreknowledge is far more than just knowing something before it happens. 
So there is that kind of, in the, in the Bible, this word know or knew is used in different ways. And one of the ways is that, yep, no, they know it before it happens. It happens to us, doesn't it? Someone tells you something and you say, I knew that. That's kind of foreknowledge. But it's also used in a different way, a very different way. It's used in a very intimate sense. So in the Old Testament, Adam and his wife Eve... The Bible speaks about their relationship together. And in the newer versions, it speaks about that relationship as a relationship of love. When it says that Adam made love to his wife Eve in Genesis chapter 4. The older versions speak about Adam knew Eve. And that's the idea of this verse. Adam knew Eve in a very loving, delightful, intimate way. Now, the word for Adam knowing Eve there wouldn't kind of be Adam knew Eve. Of course he knew Eve. I mean, she was the only girl in the world. (laughs) There's no one else existed. Of course he knew Eve. He could have sung the Rihanna song to her, couldn't he? You are the only girl in the world. He probably wouldn't have sung all the lyrics, but but maybe after he fell, he did. Um, So he knew, of course he knew Eve, but he knew Eve in an intimate, delightful, loving way. And that's what this foreknowledge is. God loves us before we were born. He pre-loved us. We could even push it back further. Loved before the dawn of time, we sung. God loved us before we were born. It's, it's like um, a, a, a parent before the child is born. The child is being formed in the womb. And the parent has a love for that child even before the child is born. Before the child is born or does anything good or bad, before the parent knows what the child is going to look like, what their personality is, what their gender will be, uh, what what their character will be like, what their ability will be, the parent loves the child. And it's exactly the same. God loves us before we were born. And because he loved us, therefore he set this tremendous plan in motion. The plan to so work in our lives that throughout life, we become like Jesus Christ. And right at the end of life, if we trust him, we will be totally like Jesus Christ. Before you were born, God loved you. Every new day, God loves you, and all through eternity, he will love you forever. It's a tremendous verses, and they fill us with such hope and such determination that we might be transformed day by day, that one day the ultimate goal will be reached. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this golden chain of events that you set in motion because of your love for us even before we were born. 
We do confess, Lord, that we find that hard to get our heads around to understand. But so often you call us not to understand, but to trust and believe and to experience. Thank you that even today we can experience your daily love for us in us being changed by your work in us through your spirit. So help us, we pray, to keep in step with your plan, to be transformed in our thinking and our behavior, to be spiritual people who follow the Savior, and to look forward one day to that final destination of being totally like Jesus. Work in us, we pray, a love for you, a love for people, and a humility of life, so that this might be good for us and for others, and would be a glory for your name. We have sung some powerful lyrics. We've listened to some awesome words in the Bible. The evil one would try and snatch these things away, even in the next few moments and certainly throughout the week. Pray now in your heart that God would help you forget the lesser things of life and focus on these glorious things so that when it comes to the lesser things, we're able to handle them as those who are being made like Jesus. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us evermore. Amen.